common sense. You can't be a dunstug, you gotta get sense. Save every dollar, make investments. Can't surround yourself with bare silly friends. Watch common sense with my true Facebook, Instagram, plus YouTube. Get some Lucas in and link with your group. Money conversation. Good night, everybody, and welcome to Common Sense, episode six, titled Business 101. And I'm in the studio by myself currently. Uh, it's my first solo episode for season six. It's been about four months since I've been in here by myself, and I'm really, really excited. Uh, a lot has happened since I've last been on Common Sense, you know. I The reason I wasn't here is because I had to travel. I went to Lethem, I went to Mamaruma, and I saw the beauty of this country. But I must say, I really, really want to go back to Lethem. I love that place a lot. I wish if we could live there, you know. But I would want to encourage our Guyanese to travel your country. Uh, Guyana is an amazing place. And I know a lot of persons internationally watch this show from as far as, as Samoa, uh, where Umaga is from, uh, Romania, and the Caribbean. Uh, Guyana is one of the most, if not the most beautiful country in the world. And I would want to encourage you guys to check out Guyana. But I'm not here to talk about Guyana. I'm here to talk about business and entrepreneurship. But before we get there, I must acknowledge or, or speak about a few current issues. And firstly, I would like to shout out to the guy that brought in the Tesla. Um, he's a very brilliant thinker. And I want to invite him on to Common Sense, you know? And you could take me for a ride in your Tesla around the town. Um, I also want to acknowledge the fact that the Brooklyn Nets, um, the Brooklyn Nets have been swept. And I must, I must say, how about them Nets, boys? <laughs> yeah, and you know, a lot has been happening in Guyana. Recently, we saw a group of businessmen opened or signed a contract for a massive shore base over there in the, in the West Coast. And there was a lot of comments on Facebook about, about the ethnic makeup of the group of businessmen. And then there was a post on Facebook about generational wealth and the lack thereof in the black community and all of those kind of stuff. We're going to address that very soon on Common Sense because you can't allow you can't allow myths to permeate a society. Things need to be addressed and some amount of factual information needs to be put into perspective concerning some of these issues so that we are well informed, right? But tonight we're here to talk about business and why did I choose this topic? To be honest, this week we were supposed to talk about insurance. I had my insurance specialist set and ready, but I attended an Investiton pitch competition on Saturday, and I was partly surprised by some of the things that I heard and I saw in a good way, I must say. It had some tremendous presentations, but I also saw some deficiencies in the business education, the business acumen that Guyanese possess, and I just wanted to touch on a few stuff coming out of that. So I asked them to push it back, and I, I wanted to address some stuff. 
on Common Sense tonight. I must also say that, you know, Panjaz is going to be live on Sunday on Panjaz Concerts page at Facebook and Instagram. Ensure that you tune in and support my brother. Right? Panjaz is an extremely innovative and successful business thus far, and uh, it will continue to grow. But I want to start off the conversation by saying that entrepreneurship is not for everybody. I know on social media over the past few years, persons have been decrying the nine to five lifestyle, the nine to five mentality. And I feel as though we've glorified entrepreneurship so much that people think it's just an easy thing, you know? You wake up one day, you flick your finger, and you could just open a business and build a successful business. And in the glorification of entrepreneurship, we've sort of demeaned persons working a nine to three or a nine to four or a nine to five job. And I must say that many persons working those same nine to five jobs are making more than persons who own small businesses and who own businesses in general. As a matter of fact, statistics show that 50% of small businesses within the first five years fail. As in, they start up, they host a big launch party, and then the next few years, you don't hear about them again, you don't see them again. So, this idea and this perception that entrepreneurship is just for everybody, and you can just wake up out of your bed and be, decide to become an entrepreneur and build a successful business is not rooted in any form of reality or any form of truth. Entrepreneurship is a grind. If you leave in 95 and you think that's a grind, well, you're in for a rude awakening. You're into another set of grind right now. And I'm not trying to deter persons from becoming entrepreneurs, but I'm just trying to give you the reality of what you're getting yourself into. Right? So it's not, don't get carried away by all of the, I feel so good to be my own boss, and I can go to work when I want, and I can do this when I want. It ain't like that. It ain't like that. As a matter of fact, you might be leaving at 9 to 5 to work at 12 to 12. That's what entrepreneurship lifestyle is like for many persons, especially a small business. Right? So I just want to, to begin the conversation by saying that. Now, in sports, the most successful athletes, empty arenas train them to be in an arena with thousands of persons. What do I mean by that? The most successful athletes spend hours in an empty gym, in an empty arena, perfecting their craft. If you look at Kobe, God bless his soul, he is one of the most skilled basketball players of all time. And his work ethic and the Mamba mentality is legendary, we all know about it. But he was the first person in the gym and he was the last person out of the gym. He spent hours honing his craft, working on his footwork, ensuring that he has enough arc on his jump shots, knowing how 
to pivot and do all of the fundamentals that make you an excellent player. If you look at guys like Virat Kohli in cricket, he absolutely revolutionized the way that cricketers take care of their body and their fitness and the level of attention that they put towards their craft. In every sphere, you look at, at football, whether it be Messi, Ronaldo, you look at, at golf, Tiger Woods in his prime. Whatever it is, hours upon hours in an empty gym that prepares them to go in front of a crowd and perform to the best of their ability. Sometimes you spend six hours in an empty gym to just go outside and perform for four to five minutes, right? But it's those six hours that help you and craft your ability to be the best when you step on that court for those 48 minutes. And it's a similar kind of lifestyle being an entrepreneur. And it's one that many persons fail at, and that's why their businesses end up failing. They don't put in that work in the empty arena. The empty arena for you might be your home, your office, your bedroom, whatever it is. That is where you have to sit down and craft your plans for your business, your marketing strategy, your operational strategy, your business strategy in general, your mission and your vision, your corporate culture. All of those things are crafted during those empty arenas where nobody else is around, it's just you. Probably if you have a business partner. And you just sit down there honing your craft, coming up with ideas and plans of how, how can I get more persons to know about my product? Coming up with a creative marketing plan or coming up with a better way to do what you do. A more efficient means of production, a more efficient means of delivery, of distribution. Whatever it is, entrepreneurship requires hard work. And if you truly want to be successful at the entrepreneurial lifestyle, you must be willing to work hard. Now, if you just want to hustle, and I mentioned this in my last program, there's a difference between a hustle and a business. If you want to just hustle, you don't need to necessarily put in the hours like if you want a really full-fledged, healthy business. But if you truly want to be successful in the entrepreneurial life, you have to be willing to put in the necessary work to reap the rewards. So off the bat, I want to let people know that it's not an easy lifestyle. Business is not for everybody. Just like doing law is not for everybody. Just like being a doctor is not for everybody. Just like sports is not for everybody. I don't know why we got the, uh, the, the perception that everybody could do business, right? But business is not for everybody. And you must be willing to put in the work and come up with the strategies that will help you to succeed. Now, what will set you apart from your competitors? In business, we have something called a competitive advantage. What is a competitive advantage? A competitive advantage is basically the thing that makes your product or service superior from your competitors. Right? Now, 
that thing can be your, your attention to customer service. It could be a product differentiation. It could be a cost of the cost of your product. It could be the features that your product has. It could be a myriad of things you can use to gain a competitive advantage over your competitors. You look at Starbucks. They made drinking coffee inside of a, a coffee store very cool. You're going to Starbucks now. Some people don't even go for the coffee. They just go to have the name on that cup. Coca-Cola ran a marketing strategy years ago whereby they used to put your names on the, on the cans. And research shows that when they ran that marketing strategy, they increased sales significantly. I, I see Nutella is trying the same thing now where they personalize the product. That is one way that you could use to gain a competitive advantage. And as a business owner, if you truly want to be successful, you have to analyze your market, analyze your competitors, and see what you can do to gain a competitive advantage above them. Now, that doesn't mean going and post on social media about your competitors and trying to diminish them and destroy the credibility or the reputation by spreading propaganda or fake news. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you have to have some superior quality to make me want to buy from you instead of buying from her. What separates your product? Now in Guyana, we have a, a sweetie stand mentality whereby You see, all right, let me, don't let me use that example. You go in Durban Street, where I'm from. Matthew decides to open a sweetie shop, a sweetie shop, sell him a nice little chick mints and bubble gum or whatever, lollipops. Mark, who lives three houses next door, see that I get in the rush. So Mark said, you know what? I, I want to get into business. I can open me Sweetie Stand too. So Mark decides to open up a Sweetie Stand. And then three hours next to Mark, look, peeping out. Hey, I see Matthew and Mark making a little something. They're getting enough people. So look, decides, all right, I can open a nice Sweetie Stand too. All three of them selling the same thing, two houses apart. And then John, but I think John got a little more sense than that. John will not open anything, <laughs> right? But three persons, six houses apart, selling the same product. Waiting to happen. Eventually, profit for each one of them can flatten out. Right? Because if Matthew decides to lower his price to 120, Mark can do the same thing. And look and do the same thing. And it's just a small, a small community, small amount of money that you could possibly make. That money is being now split between three persons. And you ain't really making any sense. We have a sweetie stand mentality in Guyana. Whereby you just look at somebody and you see they get in a rush and you assume 
that because they're getting a lot of sales, they're making a lot of money. So you're gonna wanna do the same thing. How many brunches have you seen advertised for the year? Brunch is the most popular thing now in Guyana. I don't know whether they're making money or not, but everybody is doing a brunch. I would hope that they're making money, right? But the Sweetie Stan mentality is not a profitable mentality to have in business, right? Now, I'm not saying if you see somebody open a business, it doesn't mean that you can't open a business like what they did. But you can't open and do the same thing that they're doing. You have to probably look at their weaknesses and you know what? I hear Sweetie Stan. Uh, hear Sweetie Stan. The Machu doesn't talk to his, com his customers nice. He just dashes Sweetie in the hand. Alright, alright. I could probably have a better re relationship with the customers. And maybe I can gain a competitive advantage over him. Because he's not treating them good. I might treat them good now. And you know what? Let me let me open that with his son. I still don't agree with opening it, right? But at least you have, you looked at one of his deficiencies and you try to implement that into your business to correct that deficiency, to gain that competitive advantage. All in all, what I'm trying to say is that if you're gonna start a business, ensure that you have some competitive advantage because that is what will lead to profitability and that, that is what will lead you to performing better than your competitors, okay? Remember, and nothing is wrong with competition, let me say that, in business. Business is not Sunday school, right? Where everybody just come and clap hands and uh, what is the name of the song? Uh, Father Abraham had many children or something like that. Can't remember the name of the song. But the point is, business is not like that. Business is, is a competitive field and there is competition. Now, you don't have to be a cutthroat competitor, right? But obviously you're into business to make money, primarily. Of course, there are other objectives, but primarily, your objective should be to be profitable. And in that case, you would want to gain a competitive advantage above your competitors. Now, I also do believe that there is enough in this country for everybody to eat, right? There's enough for me, there's enough for you, right? So there doesn't need to be an acrimonious relationship between competitors. You can collaborate. If you watch sports, LeBron and Steph Curry went to three straight finals competing against each other. But during the All-Star game, LeBron picked Steph as his first pick for all of the years. Right? Competitors, but they're still collaborators. They still have good relationship. You can help your business partner if, if you see them struggling and stuff like that. We want to build that type of business environment in the country. Notwithstanding that, it's very important that you have a competitive advantage, right, as a business owner. Now, as a business owner, your profits will, will fluctuate. And one of the perilous mistakes that small business owners make 
is making decisions based on a peak period. So you start business and the first three months, you see that you're getting the rush. You're making loud money. And you just decide because the first three months you get in the rush and you're making loud money, there's the way things can be for the rest of your entrepreneurial life. And then you start making decisions now based on that early success. And you might end up crippling yourself because there are peaks and there are valleys in business. If you look at taxi drivers, when do they make most of their money? During Christmas time, when they could institute those ridiculous prices and rob this small man like you. 900 for a job from Camp Street. From the city, Mother Bounty 900, right? But the point is, there are peaks and valleys in business. And you can't make a decision based on the peak, and you can't make a decision based on the valley, right? You have to analyze a trend, see, certain trends in the business and that's how you make your financial and business decisions don't make decisions based on your peak just like how you approach your personal finances and you save don't make rash decisions in business right your peaks and valleys don't make decisions based on any of those follow the trend then you decide all right this is a good investment this is a bad investment x y or z and then you follow accordingly Right, so these are some very important tidbits that you should know about business. Now, one thing that I forgot to mention when I was talking about this 50 cent mentality. If you see somebody start up a podcast, let's say you see Matthew start up Common Sense, right? He's passionate about it. And you decide now, ah, Matthew get enough sponsors there, but I want to start a podcast though. You don't really got time for no podcast, you don't really care. You just want to start it for the hype. You might see I got a thousand, a thousand views, you know. I want I want a thousand views though. You start up a podcast. Right? But you don't have the passion, the vision, and the zeal behind it. After a few months, or it might be a year or two, you're going to eventually flop. That's why I tell persons, don't worry when people try to mimic or copy your ideas. Because if you don't have the passion, the ingenuity, the zeal and the vision behind it, sooner rather than later, they'll flop. Right? So passion begets persistence. And that's, you need persistence to be a successful entrepreneur. And persistence begets success. And that's how you differentiate between a really successful entrepreneur and, a, and an entrepreneur who did not manage to be successful, right? So I wanna quickly now touch on something that I would have touched on before in an earlier episode, but I wanna channel it now to business something called Parkinson's Law, which basically states, as your income rises, your expenditure will rise to meet the rise in your income, right? Now think about, if your teacher gives you an assignment to do, 
and she gives you 30 days to do the assignment. Chances are you're going to submit the assignment on the 29th or the 30th day. If she gives you that same assignment to do in one day, best believe that you're going to finish that same assignment on that same day. Parkinson's law, right? And in business, think about, think about a toothpaste that you may have at home. When you buy a brand new, a brand new tube of toothpaste, you take a big gulp and you put it on your toothbrush, right? And the toothpaste might fall out of the toothbrush on the sink. All right, it's a brand new, it's a brand new tube. So you know what you can do? Put another big gulp on the on the toothbrush and brush your teeth. Now, think about if the toothpaste is almost on E, right? It's a whole bunch of squeezing, twisting, turning, concoction of brand new inventions to get some toothpaste out of the tube, right? It just shows the difference in how we operate based on what is available, right? When you buy a brand new toothpaste, you can just pouring it out. Every toothpaste is on E. It's a twist, it's a turn, it's that you come up with a way and you do this way. Some way you find to get something out of that tube. Similarly in business, right? And, and this is what the practice in last states. Two things. Based on scant Resources, two things persons tend to do. One, they become frugal. If you don't have a lot, the little that you have, you will spend it frugally. I don't know if that's a word, but you get the point. And number two, if you have a little, you'll come up with creative ways to stretch the little that you have. Right? Think about think about your life. And when when you probably had little and how you start to stretch it and find new ways to make things work. Right? In business, you have to adopt a similar mentality. Right? If if you know to yourself that as your business continues to grow and your profits expand, that you're just going to wither away the money. There is a new concept in a book that I read called Profit First, whereby the traditional accounting principles state that your sales less your expenses equal profit. What they're trying to say now, because of the Parkinson's law, is that sales less profits equal expenses. Why? The author is saying that take out your profit first, whatever you left with, then you're gonna pay off your expenses. So if you're only left with 20,000 after taking out your profits, it will force you 
to come up with some creative way or reduce unnecessary costs and expenses so that you can meet and pay your bills. Now imagine when we do the traditional way now, whereby we get our seals, and you know from the seals, you're taking out something to pay off the expense, and then whatever left is your profit. Human psychology works in a way that you're not being forced into a position whereby you have to come up with a creative or an ingenuine way to run your operations, right? So if you try that profit first mentality whereby out of the sales you take out the profit, whoever else is left, you gonna make do with that to pay off your bills and expenses. It might be a good strategy to employ if you're struggling with handling more, right? But the pandemic showed us that we can come up with creative ways, innovative ways to cut back on some of our unnecessary expenses and unnecessary costs, which will ultimately improve our profitability. And a perfect example of this, I had to do a research project on Guardian Media in Trinidad. It's probably the biggest or the longest standing media company in Trinidad. And you know, they were experiencing some declining profitability during uh, the period of 2016 to 2019. And they were also experiencing decreased revenues, decreased sales, for, because many advertisers have shifted from the traditional means of advertising newspaper, TV, and radio. And they're developing more e-commerce advertising strategies. So many media, media companies have been feeling the brunt. So Guardian, in 2020, in 2019, they, they, they made a loss. Their costs exceeded their sales, right? And in 2020, the, the management decided to implement some cost reduction strategies. And lo and behold, Let's say in 2019, their revenues or their sales was 100,000, and they made a loss of 20,000. In 2020, that sales that slash revenue went down to 80,000, but they made a profit of 20,000. How? How could you make a profit and less people buying from you? Because they cut back on unnecessary expenses, unnecessary costs. So even though less persons were buying, they were able to mitigate certain costs, and that is how they gain profitability, right? Many times as small business owners, you want to implement a whole bunch of unnecessary expenses. During the pandemic, you were operating just perfect from your home. Now that things are opening up back, suddenly you want to rent an office, for $350,000, even though you have no need for an office. Just because you know you think it brings some professional look to your business, unnecessary cost, unnecessary expense. 
right? So as a small business owner, look at those things and try to minimize them, reduce them, and it will ultimately increase your profitability as a business owner, right? Now, we're going to analyze the financial statement in a few seconds. But before that, I want to caution small businesses. There is something called growing too fast. Now, you might be wondering, what is this guy really saying? How could growing, how could growth be a bad thing? Many businesses have failed because they grew too fast. And let me explain why. Now, there are multiple factors as to why these businesses fail when they grow fast. One, they don't have the capacity to meet the increased demand. You launch a new cupcake on the market, right? Everybody likes this cupcake, right? And you started out with you alone and you had 100 artists per day. And these 100 persons went to tell everybody else about this amazing cupcake. And then you started to get 1,000 artists now. You were struggling to do 100 by yourself. Now you're getting 1,000 with no additional help. How will you be able to meet the increased demand if there is no corresponding help in the sense of an additional staff or a new machine or a new piece of equipment that will help you to meet the increased demand? So then what happens is that the other persons that the 100 brought on end up waiting long, long, long days for the cake. Because it's you alone. And you don't want to tell nobody, no. So then you start to alienate certain customers because they complain, look how long you wait for me cake a whole week. Right? And then when it's you alone now, and you don't have the cash flow or the capital to meet the increased demand, you have to start cutting back now and pinch, 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 pinch on the flour. So you might be putting as much flour as you put for the hundred to cater for the thousand. So then the quality of the cake now diminishes. And then when they get the cake now, they want to know, what is my really tell me about this cake ain't ready yet? And then they go and post on Facebook, Matthew Goss cupcake is a fraud. Doesn't taste as good as advertised. And then bad publicity starts to hit the business. And then that increased growth ends up becoming detrimental to the progress of your business. Then there is an alienation from your customers. When you had 100 clients, you used to build a good rapport with your customers, had a good customer service relationship. Now, because you grow so expeditiously, you can't meet 1,000 people, you can't meet 10,000 people. So that aspect of the business that gave you competitive advantage in the beginning is lost, right? Because you don't have that relationship with the new customers, and you didn't put the systems in place 
to be successful when your company eventually grows. And that's where many of us fall. Don't wait until you grow to put the necessary systems in place. Put the systems in place in anticipation of growth. So that when you do grow, you're not scrambling and you end up messing up that growth, which impedes the success, the long-term success of your business, right? And then sometimes this ego gets the person's head. The business starts to experience some level of success and they feel as though they have the Midas touch and they're gods. And they could talk to you how you want, treat you how you want. You know something that baffles me about Guyanese businesses? You would call a taxi service every day. Right? A loyal customer. And instead of treating this loyal customer better and developing a good relationship with them, the more loyal you become, the worse they treat you. Imagine I call a taxi service every day for a year, and I still got to wait a half an hour for a taxi. No relationship has been built. And then when the taxi comes, you go into the wrong location. I got to walk up the road for me to. When all it takes is for the, the taxi service to build up a nice database, you know your frequent customers, try to keep them pleased. But what happens is that you start to take yeah, frequent customers for granted. So you think you could do everyone though and they can continue supporting your business, right? And then they become frustrated by your poor treatment and they go make a post on Facebook and then your reputation for your business starts to become solid. Right? But it's very important that you don't grow too fast. Unless you have the necessary systems in place to handle that growth. Think of businesses in Guyana. And I could give you a perfect example. And this is by no means to, to ridicule business or any business establishment. But look at Grill King. When Grill King first came out, you couldn't find parking on Mandela Avenue. Everybody wanted this new product, the barbecue with the plantain or a potato and a nice cheese on it, right? And then a few months after, the worst thing that a lot of businesses do, after they get an increased demand, they want to increase the prices. So they started out at 600, now, for no reason, there wasn't any increase in the, in the raw materials, there wasn't an increase in the, in the rent or whatever it is. For no reason, they just believe, because they get enough people now, we can put on an extra $400,000, right? When they had the initial rapid growth, though, no systems were put in place to handle continued growth. So... The service that you get started to diminish. You used to get 10 fries and 10 barbecue, now you're getting 8 fries and 8 barbecue. 
and you're paying more for less. Right? We think it can eventually happen. The customer base will erode because they didn't have the systems in place to handle the increased growth. Right? So ensure that you have the systems in place in anticipation of the growth so that you can handle it when it comes and that growth don't end up destroying the entire business. There are many case studies in America, thousands that you can use whereby a company grew too fast. There are many companies on the, on the 500 Fortune businesses companies that were there in 2012, and then in 2014, the company no longer exists. A rapid growth couldn't handle it, business fail, right? So put the necessary systems in place in anticipation of the growth, right? And don't lose your core competencies, don't lose what made you a competitive business in the market, right? And for Christ's sake, Chinese businesses start taking customer service more seriously, man. Oh my goodness. The easiest way you could gain a competitive advantage in Guyana is to have good customer service because nobody has good customer service in this place. You go for buy a piece of chicken, and the cashier dash it in your hand. Look, Kalang, Kalang your way. You call a taxi, and the man show up without any jersey on, got on a boxer, playing lewd, explicit music, and you, you granny going in the car, and you ask him to turn on the music, and he said, it's me car. A lot of businesses over the next few years, if they do not improve their customer service, will fall by the wayside. Because them boys that come in from international places have mastered the art of pleasing their customers and making them feel like prized possessions. And if we as Guyanese don't eventually get with the drift, we will drift away. And don't blame the government. And don't blame foreign businesses with access to this and access to that. When all you could do is just improve your customer service, treat people nice, and people will support you. Right? Improve the quality of your product. Why can't we have a taxi service in Guyana where everybody's properly dressed? And when you go into the car, they tell you good morning, welcome. And you don't got to hear about who gave blow and who left who, who sleep with who child mother, and all them kind of stories. Why can't we have, why is it so hard for a taxi service base to just sit down, come up with a nice database, come up with certain a corporate culture that your taxi drivers must maintain to be a driver at your base and just have a professional outfit. What is so hard with professionalism in our businesses in this country? Right? And another thing, another thing, <laughs> as a small business owner, 
You are the face of your business. Many times you want to hire people, and we take the proper time to train them. You don't have any proper HR background, so you don't even know who you're hiring. And that person might not have the skills, the talent, the temperament that you possess, that you built your business on, and they just come with a lackadaisical attitude. And they might diminish your business reputation. Be very careful of who you hire and who you have on your team as a business owner. Because as far as you know, you might be doing your best and they might not be doing quality and the entire operation gets pulled down. Right? Use your common sense and, and be wise in your business dealings. Another quick thing as well. If you see your business is growing and you had two staff with 100 and now you get 10,000, you can't expect the same two staff to service 10,000. They will obviously suffer from employee burnout, physical fatigue, mental fatigue, emotional fatigue, and the quality of their service will diminish. Don't be penny-wise and punk foolish You're going to run those two persons to the ground, and then the quality of their work starts diminish, and the quality of the business starts diminish, then they leave. And then you bring on somebody that doesn't have the institutional knowledge and skills that they had. And now you're going to spend way more money now to hire more staff to make up for the shortfall. And from the very beginning, you notice a massive increase in your, in your demand, you could have brought on somebody, allowed the two of them to train them, to teach them, to show them the way. And in that way, you're able to supply the demand that, that you have. But no, you, want, you don't want to shell out an extra 100,000 to pay a staff. And if two persons servicing 100 at 100,000, and you want them to serve, serve 10,000, you now give them a little incentive or a little extra. Come on, business owners. It's time to up your game in 2022. And in that way, your business will become profitable. Now, many persons, as I referenced earlier, the sweetie stand mentality, you see a lot of persons getting sales, and you don't have a clue as to whether that business is profitable. We'll go through now a financial statement, an income statement that will help you, that will help to guide you about the financial viability and the financial health of your business. It's very important that if you're getting into business, you at least have an elementary understanding of an income statement. You have an elementary understanding of what is the difference between sales and profits. What are your expenses? You have an understanding of cash flow, not being profit, and some core foundational principles that will help you to succeed as a business. And I have a friend who is going to come to assist me in going through a financial statement 
so that at the end of this program, all of us can be better aware and better knowledgeable and to have an accurate assessment about the health of your business. Because truth be told, there are many businesses that are operating at loss. They don't even know. Many businesses that you see, big businesses, operating at a loss. Right? And they're basically being financed by debt. So let us have a proper understanding of the financial health of our business. Right? I'm now going to bring on my good friend, uh, Mr. Nathaniel King. And he is from the, he works at the Republic Bank. And he is studying accounts. So he's well versed and qualified to help us to go through the financial statement. Don't forget that Common Sense merch will be available this holiday weekend. So I'm rocking a new piece here, the Guyana map, and we have some local money slangs inside the map, you know, looking very, very fresh. You can have yours. They're going to be available at Omayu, that is located at Tower Suites on Main Street. So look forward to that drop coming this weekend. But before we get there, we're about to analyze the financial statement, see what is inside, and help us as business owners to properly assess the financial viability and the health of the company. Now, Nathaniel, why is it important for, for small businesses to have these financial statements in the first place? Um, well, Machu, uh, financial statements basically um, as you mentioned about earlier, are very important. Um, they are a representation of how a company is performing. Um, basically, they're also what we call um, a businessman's, I would say, a language that, yeah. that, that they could actually use to analyze the performance of a company. Um, and especially, as you said earlier, um, a lot, and I agree with you, um, a lot of the small businesses we have here in Guyana have the uh, sweetie stand mentality in, in the case whereby they see somebody open mm -hmm. a sweetie stand and they want to do the same thing without carefully assessing what having a business really entails. Um, but what before we go into the financial statements, what I would like to implore to our small business owners is that before venturing to open an, a company or a small business, the first thing you must have to do is plan plan to see who your competitors are, uh, what your mark, what 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 is what is your market target, if it's a senior um, citizens, if it's a case by targeting vegetarians, because for example, let's take for example, if you're going into food, right, and okay, everybody's doing meat. Uh, one of the one of the um, challenging things in the market right now is persons looking for persons who are selling vegetarian food. There's not really much person selling vegetarian food. Um, so you got to know certain things. You have to plan. And, and in planning, the financial statements is just a product of perfect planning because to have a financial statement is basically a record of how your company is performing on a, on a sheet of paper. So that, that's, that's basically it for me. The importance of record keeping because anytime small businesses start up, and they might need a loan, they might need a grant, they might need something. There's no paper trail. 
Oh. Tell us about the importance of keeping good records. Okay, well, first of all, I forgot about manners. Thank you for having me, Macho, on the, on the show, Common Sense. I've been following it, and it is indeed um, helpful in in a lot of ways, especially to, to the diaspora and to young individuals who are looking to get into business. Okay, so with regard to record keeping, um, record keeping is very important. Very important, not only for you as an individual in order to analyze the business, but in terms of accessing grants, um, being compliant with the Ghana Revenue Authority, because, for example, if um, you present a financial and get the, Ghana Revenue, the Ghana Revenue Authority can always uh, put, put your financial statement subject to audit. And in that case, you have to present documentation to pr prove your expenses. So um, those will be the key reasons as to why uh, you should keep your records. But most importantly, analysis, self-analysis is the greatest uh, reason why you should do that. Excellent points. Now, on your screen, you're going to see an example of what an income and expenditure statement looks like. And at the very top of that screen, you find something called sales. Now, explain to us what exactly are sales because many times persons uh, fail to understand the difference between sales slash revenues and profit. Tell us what are sales first. Sales is simple. Basically, it would be the income earned from whatever your nature of business is. Uh, for example, let's use you, uh, mm -hmm. common sense. Um, apart from the revenue you may earn, let's say, for example, viewership on YouTube, um, Google would pay you some. That's what we call sales. The merch that you sell, I hope you're keeping the records, uh, Mr. God. <laughs> right? Um, the merch you sell, uh, every, every, uh, Every customer that comes in to make uh, to pay to pay at uh, Amayo, I believe it's the name mm -hmm. of the place. That that would be the final sales. So basically, it's any income you make from the line of business that you're in. All right. So at the bottom of sales, there's a part called cost of goods sold, and it may sound self-explanatory, but help us to properly understand what exactly cost of goods sold means on that income statement. Okay. Well, cost of goods sold. I'll use you again as an example, Mr. Gall. Um, so. Cost of goods also be those uh, expenses that are related directly to the sales, right? Um, in this in this case, you sell merch, right? So all the uh, payments you make for the, the jerseys to be made, uh, that is what we define as cost of goods sold. So if I am selling sweets, right, the, the amount of money I pay to purchase the sweets, that's what they would define as cost of goods sold, right? The sales figure, I'm going back to it, would be basically the amount I am selling the sale, uh, the sweets at. Right. And the difference between the cost of goods sold and sales was what we call gross right. profit, which would be the next line item on the income statement as you would see on the screen. Excellent. Mm -hmm. So after you derive your gross profit, to get in that profit, you have to take out your expenses from that theoretical gross profit. Now, what are considered some expenses for businesses? All right, Matthew. Well, the expenses would be uh, very based on the type of business you're into. Probably you're going to use you as an example, common sense. Um, for example, this studio here, I'm not sure if you're paying rent, but rent would be an expense um, for this here. The cameraman, Alonzo, I don't know if you're paying him a salary, but also that would be an expense also. Transportation, for example, if you have to go and do a shoot or recording. Oh, for, for um, Panjaz, the owner, let me take a sip as you said, right? <laughs> 
I, you definitely would have had to incur some amount of transportation to get from here to the Panthers location to do the recording and those types of things. Um, phone yeah, bills, phone bills, utilities, water. correct. You see right. exactly. Yeah. Right. So from those expenses now, you subtract those from your gross profit and we come at the bottom of the income statement, something called our net, net profit. profit. That is profit after expenses, sure. right? And it's very important that as a small business, you don't get carried away with sales because there are instances whereby you could be making millions from sales and revenues. You're having thousands of persons buying your product or stuff, mm -hmm. but you're still operating at a loss. Okay. Explain how, how such an occurrence can happen. Well, uh, Matthew, well, based on the persons I, persons from all walks of life that I would have encountered and had conversations with and seen their lifestyles, most persons, when they're running a business, the minute they make the sale, they feel they have arrived. The minute they make a windfall, as you send the peak, they feel they have arrived. So they don't really get that, but they don't, and they don't keep their records too. So when the time comes now, they, they make a sale and then, oh, bop. They're gonna buy a car. Uh -huh. They're gonna they're gonna uh, buy furniture or something. They're not taking the time to sit down and say, okay, boom, I made a, a windfall. Um, let me do a quick reconciliation to check back to see, okay, what are my sales? Well, let me keep my receipts so I can so I can have a proper analysis. That's why persons are unconsciously making a loss. And when they come to financial institutions and the institution requests an income statement, they they they, they are left. Not only that, but what they spend to make that windfall is also important because they don't keep track Correct. of the cost of goods sold Correct. as well as their expenses. Correct. So you might be making a lot, but you're spending even more to make the lot that you're making. Correct. And, they, and, and with that said, they wouldn't know the true, in the, the, the true position, whether it be a profit or a loss, to know if they are capable of servicing a loan, or to know if they're capable of probably opening and opening another branch of service demand and those type of things. And an important point you would have touched on also, as you said, you, you spoke on um over, well overgrowing, but uh -huh. the correct term was overtrading, whereby the the persons get carried away by the demand uh -huh. that they get at the at the start and they don't know how to manage or manage that demand and they go about opening, as you said, refer to good things, opening various branches and then reducing the quality increasing the price and of course well i hope this is not the case for them bleeding cash whereby now persons now begin okay the, the demand is not as as high as before and they know they did not purchasing as much as before and now the, the operating costs would become higher than what the profit is uh, for the company so those things they would have to take into consideration and that's where persons unconsciously would start to feel the squeeze, as some people would say, because they make bad decisions and unconsciously they're not keeping record and they would feel the squeeze financially. Definitely. So there you guys have it, a very simplified income statement which shows us our sales, our cost of goods sold, our gross profit, our expenses, our net profit. And I want to employ small business owners. Sometimes it's good to turn away some customers. That might sound crazy, right? But your reputation and your quality might suffer because you're handling too much that you're capable of handling. 
And in that sense, you end up eroding the quality of your work and then your customer is unhappy and their un unhappiness might now be publicized and broadcasted and it sheds a negative light on your business. Don't go all in just to make that extra buck and lose the quality and competence that you've become known for. Sometimes, if you could only handle 100, let persons respectfully know, look, I'm at my max, I can't handle it. Don't try to be Superman or Superwoman and go do an extra 50, and the extra 50, you're doing it on low to no energy. Your, your mind is not there, your creativity is not flowing, and you end up giving that person a substandard product, which diminishes the quality and the competence that you've become known for, right, business owners? So there you have it. Keep track of your records, keep track of your expenses, keep track of your sales, so that you can know the financial viability of your business, and that you can know whether, hey, I'm making a profit, I'm making a loss, I need to cut back on this, I need to improve on this. You follow your financials and that will influence how you make certain decisions so that your business can ultimately grow and be profitable. Yes. And might one, uh, one more thing I might add, I would encourage all uh, business owners, as Matthew said, to keep records and keep track of your sales and your expenses because as you know, Guyanese, we're living in an economy, an emerging economy, and investors are coming. And we as a small mom and credit, nobody wants to invest. But the investors must have to see something tangible. That's right. Right? See something that they can relate to, to see something that they can want to invest in your company, and you must have something to show. And if you don't have, if you don't keep records, you have nothing to communicate to those guys to say, hey, I'm gonna take a chance or take a shot at this person. Right, so I would encourage all the small business owners to keep your records. It's very simple. All the revenue you made, if you don't want to do it once a month, take some time once a month, you can do it to the end of the year. Keep your receipts, add them up. All the sales, add them up. You toggle them, put them on the sales. All the items you know you're purchasing to keep your business going, you keep your bills. If, if you go into any, any shop or anything, you ask them for a bill, you keep your bills, add them up. Put them on the cost of goods sold. You keep track of utilities so you know how to, to make better decisions to enable the profitability of the company and more so expand and get the generational world that so many of the young business that. owners desire and speak of. Right. You cannot accumulate uh, generational wealth without proper planning and of course analyzing. Alright, so that is it. Excellent points, Nathaniel. Mm -hmm. And there you guys have it. Concise excellent information on how you can properly manage and track your financial health of your business. Now, there's no excuse not to implement what you just heard. Because I hear many young people saying, oh, I don't have a software, I don't have this, I don't have that. You have Microsoft Excel, use it. You have Google Apps, where you can literally download free accounting software, use it. There's no longer an excuse in 2022. As a matter of fact, back in the days, they used to use books and write it down. If you're not technologically capable, use a book and write down and, and keep track of yourself. No more excuses as it relates to knowing the financial health and the financial viability of your business. Don't forget, next week, Thursday, we're back on Common Sense. I'm going 
four episodes straight in, in the month of May. Uh, next week, it's a very, very important discussion, home building and real estate. And we're gonna be having uh, uh, Stefan John, Cohen Gittins is gonna come back, and Christoph Enzo. So next week we have a power pack program. Don't forget to tune into Common Sense, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. On Facebook, you follow us at Georgetown Capital, and share the live stream to all your friends and family so that they can learn more about business and gain some financial knowledge. Do enjoy the rest of your night and ensure to use your common sense.